everybody. Welcome back to Faithful. My name is Emma. My name is Christina. Uh, and I'm sure you saw uh, on our episode page and on our Twitter or whatever. Uh, but we're, today we're talking about a topic that I think both of us feel really strongly about. And I'm sure if you're friends with us, you probably do too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're talking about what the Bible says and about spirituality and faith in how it relates to uh, social justice. Yeah. I'll be honest here. I thought we were going to do a little bit more like chit chat before getting into it, but that's totally okay. Oh. We're, it's, it is recording on Thursday night. We are business. So I'm okay with business. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how have you been Christina? <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, not, not too terrible. All things considered mm-hmm. a little bit frustrated that, um, for reference here, we're recording this on July 3rd and at work, we got an email yesterday um, a public safety advisory from corporate, but the public safety advisory was, remember, be careful around fireworks and not the pandemic. Wow. Or protest hell. So. Oof. It's very frustrating, but. Mm-hmm. I, but I personally am not, have, have not been doing as bad as I could be. So I'm taking that as a blessing. That is really good. That's, I'm glad. How have you been doing, Emma? Uh, I've been all right, all things considered. Um, been it's been hard to like focus a lot recently. Yeah, and, I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, like motivate myself to do anything. Yeah, has been difficult. Um, but uh, my partner Vigil is going to be visiting uh, at the end of this month, <gasps> and. Aww, so happy for you too. Yeah, and they actually just signed a lease for an apartment in my town, so they're actually going to be moving here in the next couple months. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> congratulations, congratulations, Vigil on move. Yeah, <laughs> it should. I mean, yeah, it's a lot. It's like stressful and a lot of stuff, but like yeah. it's good. I'm very excited. Good, but yeah. Uh, so we, we had this, we had a discussion about this topic a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. It was before Mm -hmm. we talked about having Terry on the show, um, see our previous episode, which we both enjoyed a whole lot. A few weeks ago, uh, our friend Sky, uh, was, was doing some tweets about how, you know, Jesus's teachings do not at all correlate with a lot of the ways that they are used and uh, quoted and intended within a lot of modern-day Christianity. Mm-hmm. And especially with um, the current civil rights movement that is going on, uh, we thought it would be a fun idea to kind of go through some of Jesus's more major teachings and provide context for them in, like, the historical, sociological setting and stuff, but also, yeah. you know, how these are applied to today. And stuff because there's there's a lot of uh, people out there uh, who are who are Christians and who uh, use their use their faith and use the words of Jesus and the words of the Bible in ways that I personally do not believe that they are intended. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think even if you're listening to this and you're not, like, a Christian or maybe you've heard all of this before or you are you hate Christians or whatever, like, I completely understand all of it, genuinely. Yeah. I think it's really important, even if you don't, like, 
take the Bible as gospel for yourself personally. Understand (laughs) where these things are actually supposed to be coming from. Yeah. So, like, you know. It's helpful to recontextualize things and, you know, mm -hmm. put them in the... Put them in the context for which they were originally meant and transcribed. Yes. And not, you know, just the words that pick your pick your random uh, white preacher on uh, cable TV is saying terrible things about uh, right. non-cishet people with. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, we also should clarify that neither of us have any kind of degree whatsoever in, no. uh, in theology or in biblical history. We're both just kind of doing our best over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're, like, curious or you think we got something wrong, first, if you know we got something wrong, tell us in the email and we'll correct it next episode. Yeah, but, please. Um, yeah. But, yeah, there's so... It's so easy. You just... It's so easy to find information about this topic specifically um, mm-hmm. that if you're curious, I would just do some digging and researching on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, I will be personally, like... I haven't done an extremely uncharacteristic move. I have taken no notes for this podcast recording. I know. Christina said that before we started recording, and I was scared. I don't know what's happening. Well, it's because I have a lot of, like, I have a lot of knowledge that I've gained over the years that I didn't necessarily Mm -hmm. need to refresh by taking notes. Um, But whenever I'm, like, referencing something in particular, I will... I will tell y'all what uh, what website or Bible verse or whatever I'm quoting. Yep. Yeah, so uh, should we go ahead and just uh, start doing the dang thing, Emma? That sounds good to me. Okay, um, I feel like we probably should start by providing some basic context for, um, for what Israel and Jerusalem and, you know, the greater Judea was uh, dealing with when Jesus' ministry was... Mm-hmm. I'm going to say beginning. Sure. Okay. So this information is courtesy of your friend, my friend, our friend, Wikipedia. <laughs> um, basically, uh, during the lead up to uh, Jesus's ministry, which was pretty much 0 AD to, well, no, Jesus's life on earth was from 0 AD, obviously, through, I believe, 32 or 33 AD. I'm not sure exactly what that equates out to in CE, but it's roughly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, during that time, uh, Israel was mostly under the rule of uh, King Herod the Great, um, who was a Jewish king and governed the Jewish populace, um, even though the even though uh, Israel was part of the Roman Empire, um, is it was still ruled by uh, King Herod. Um, so before uh, before AD, uh, so in BC, I guess, um, my understanding is that uh, King Herod was generally given more of a free reign by the Romans to rule over Israel and Judea. And uh, during... However, during the later years of his reign, um, which ended in uh, 6 CE, so probably 5 or 6 AD, um, he definitely kind of, uh, I'm just going to say, 
uh, probably had some kind of a psychotic break, but at the very least was making very terrible decisions. Um, if you're a Christian or if you've seen um, the Prince of Egypt, uh, you know kind of about like the, the, the thing that happened a lot in biblical times of the killing of the firstborns. Um, I'm pretty sure that happened. I don't, I didn't look up that specifically, but, uh, but King Herod's rule ended, um, while Jesus was still a child. Um, and, uh, instead of, uh, King Herod, uh, they got a Roman governor instead. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, um, there was a revolt, um, against taxation by the Roman Empire that was led by someone named Judas of Galilee. Um, and then residual tensions from that continue to rise in the region, um, over the course of, over the course of Jesus's life. And they obviously did not cease mm -hmm. until long after Jesus had died. <laughs> um... I think something else that's important to mention is that at the time, um, Jews formed uh, as much as 10% of the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. So they were definitely not the majority religion, which I'm assuming was probably um, worship, either worship of the Roman pantheon or various other uh, religions um, that, were, that were from areas that had been incorporated into the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. So, when Jesus was beginning his public ministry, he was coming into this nation that was still, that was very much so resentful of the, is occupiers the right word? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, Jesus was coming into a world where um, his people were very resentful of the occupiers, the Romans that were... Uh, that were trying to govern Israel and the Jews. And uh, I believe at some point there was a, there was also a conflict um, because the emperor Caligula was trying to place statues of himself in the in the temple in Jerusalem and in synagogues across, uh, across Israel and Judea. Oh, woof. Yeah. Uh, so Jesus was coming into a time where it was very much so of social unrest, and there was a lot of instances of people being persecuted specifically for their faith. Mm -hmm. um, which, given that, um, I don't know if there was any, like, I'm sure there probably was some kind of ethnic discrimination, but I don't, but I don't have any verified sources that I can quote that from, so I'm going to leave right. it at that. Sure. It was probably a factor. I just can't quote you factors. <laughs> yep. That makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, Emma, what I have my loosey-goosey notes over here. Um, what points would you like to talk about? Um, so most of the notes that I took are, um, like, I took down just a couple uh, Bible verses that talk about um, okay. social justice and, like, the core of Jesus's teachings. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, I, there was this great article I read about, like, what social justice means uh, from a biblical standpoint and okay. uh, how Christians should respond to it. Um, so I don't know if you want to go through, like, the history and, like, who Jesus was and all of that first. And then we can get into my – because I think my um, notes are more – conversational like between us not like historical okay 
I mean, I'm not sure what other kind of historical notes. Um, no, that's fair. <laughs> uh, what 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 else do you think that we need to address from a historical background standpoint before we go into conversation? Um, I think it's really easy. I don't have the exact ages uh, memorized, but uh, I think it's really easy to re- forget that Jesus and the apostles were very young and yes. rambunctious. Yes. From from what <laughs> I remember, the a lot of the times the common conception of the apostles is that they were, you know, definitely adults. Like, mm-hmm. probably, probably, uh, on the, they're, a lot of the times they are portrayed as being, you know, like, not a one of them is younger than 30, and probably hitting, you know, up to 60 years of age. But right. it's important to remember that they were probably all around the age of, you know, Let's let's say eighteen to thirty at the highest point, and I believe yeah. that I believe the stance is kind of that Peter was the oldest of the apostles. Yes, probably not the oldest disciple, but he was very definitely the oldest of the apostles. Right, uh, and I think you know a huge reason why modern Christianity and the church, uh, like likes to forget these things and you know, like whitewashes the apostles and Jesus all the time is because to see, like, to be, like, worshipping and adoring, uh, like, a group of brown men who were young and, like, are fighting against their government and, like, um, against social norms and things like that. Like, it's, so anti what Christianity has been twisted into. Yes. Uh, that yeah. it's terrifying and that's why people don't talk yeah. about it. The idea that the original Church of Christianity was not made of white Anglo-Saxon Protestant men mm-hmm. um, is, is and the fact that our conception nowadays is usually baseline that they all were white uh, is something that is entirely because of, you know, we want to make them look like us yeah. rather than let us portray them as how they truly were. Right. And not only make them look like us, but let make their actions, like, speak for us or, like, that we can use their actions to further our agenda and not actually look to what they were actually teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, part something also to mention is that I believe that... Um, if I'm remembering correctly, Jesus's apostles and disciples came from a radically, well, not radically, they came from a widely diverse section of, like, the Jewish populace. Like, mm-hmm. most of them were some kind of laborer. A lot, yeah. a lot of them were fishermen. So they were almost certainly, you know, poor. Mm-hmm. So we're talking lower class Maybe middle class when you get to, like, Paul and either Zacchaeus or Zacharias. I don't remember which one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, we're talking, like, lower class and middle class. I don't remember a single, like, high, cl- like, upper class no, I don't disciple of Christ un- until Christianity yeah. gained a wider footing across the Roman Empire. At which yes. point, you know, rich people got interested in it. <laughs> Yes, they said, okay, so if this many people believe in Christianity, 
uh, we could super use that to manipulate them and make this whole thing work for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so, and because of all of that, um, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have, like, family or friends who are, are confused and have been, um, misled about, um, the Bible's teaching somewhere or another. Yeah. Um, the, remember, uh, remember yeah. always, Jesus wasn't white. <laughs> Jesus wasn't white. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he died at, like, 34, I think. I th- It was, like, I 32, 33, 32. 34, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, he only taught for, like... Maybe like, two two or three years, max? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I'll just... I'll re- start reading some of my notes a little bit, and I think that'll take us into... Yeah. Um, more discussion. Um, yeah. But, uh... So, this article I found was on uh, worldvision.org from a couple months ago for, um, like, Worldwide Day of Social Justice, I believe. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize Mm -hmm. there was one of those. (laughs) I know, neither did I. And it was in January. It was, like, in January or February. Um, Huh. mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so the whole article um, is basically this author felt they were called to um, remind Christians of what their place is in social justice and you know how can they lead a biblical life in this world with social justice and like how do those things mesh yeah um and so uh let's see okay so they he goes on to talk about um like where is social justice in the bible um and he says specifically i'll just quote it Um, The Bible makes social justice a mandate of faith and a fundamental expression of Christian discipleship. Social justice has its biblical roots in the triune God, who time and time again shows his love and compassion for the weak, the vulnerable, the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the disinherited. You get my point. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and that's pretty much just the thesis of the whole thing, is that to be a good Christian and to spread God's word you need to be a social, you need to be involved in social justice and passionate yeah. about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes on to say, um, from a scriptural point of view, justice means loving our neighbor as we love ourselves and is rooted in the character and nature of God. As God is just and loving, so are we called to do justice and live in love. Which I just thought was a nice way to put all of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then this was... um maybe the most interesting way to like frame this that I hadn't thought of before. Mm -hmm. Uh, He says, instead we should start a space of common ground around who God calls us to be concerned about. In other words, what is predicated by who starting with the, what often enables our ideologies to trump our theology and spirituality. So like if we're thinking about what reform will do, like it's like, it's like, Oh, but like, I don't, want to like abolish the police or I don't want to um raise taxes or whatever like if you focus on the what is happening you forget who you're actually fighting for which is marginalized yeah. people black people who are being killed by the police you know mm-hmm. uh and when you start with the who it's a lot easier to be empathetic and more show God's love better yeah you know yeah yeah, I, I think that's something that is especially relevant nowadays, especially because 
in the in the civil rights movement that we find ourselves in um in in the in the current days of social media it is so much easier to bring an individual face to make these to make these movements and the progress that we are trying to make much more personal and individualized that now we have now we have names we have George Floyd we have Breonna Taylor we mm-hmm. have Elijah McClain we have we have so much more access to share individual stories and mm-hmm. and and anyone who's taken a public speaking class can tell you that you're much more likely to be able to persuade someone to your viewpoint if you can you know make it personal and yeah being able to relate to these individual stories focusing on the who could have been helped by this and who this and people who this will help in the future is a much more certain way to win uh to persuade people to your side than going with going with cold hard facts absolutely yeah emotional appeal we're people (laughs) yes i think a lot recently especially um the perception of protesters and um people who are fighting for social justice has been one that's very like Mm -hmm. angry you know and which i mean they are for good reason yes it's Um, definitely anger and it's also definitely that a lot of times um the people who are characterizing the protest as angry are those who are inclined to say that black people are angry yes (laughs) and or that the people who are angry are you know the claiming that the people who are protesting are rioters when at this point i believe it's it is probably factually verifiable that people inciting riots are the people who are in law enforcement and power. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, and so that perception of like, or, or that they just like want to cause problems and that kind of thing. Um, I think it's really easy on the outside to look at that and say, well, that can't be right because they're like property is being hurt and people's lives are being disrupted or whatever. But, um, this quote says it really well in that, like, as Christians, the building blocks of social justice lie in human dignity, human flourishing, and the sacredness of life. You know, nobody's fighting for social justice just because they like to be angry or no. um, because they feel like it's noble or whatever like that. It's because they appreciate human life. Yes. You know? It's pe- people are participating in protests in the civil rights movement because because they believe in the inherent dignity and worth of human life and they believe that every human should have that not just themselves not just people who look like them everyone Mm -hmm. black people queer people brown people absolutely people people who are people who are not like 100 percent physically perfect and able deserve that like mm-hmm. everyone it's absolutely <laughs> it reminds me of like the the i i don't know if it's like a of saying but it's kind of like you know jesus came to save the world from sins it's like well then if you say that then you have to believe that you know jesus came to save all the world from mm-hmm. all of our sins he didn't yep. just come to your specific catholic parish he didn't just come to 
this Southern Baptist megachurch. He didn't right. just come to your extremely insular community. He came to everyone. He came to the tax collectors. He came to the sex workers. He came to the sinners, which all of us are sinners, whether you like it or not. Right. If Pope Francis calls himself a sinner, then everyone's a sinner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think that a huge way that the church should, like, who am I, just some 21-year-old girl in her bedroom saying this, but, like, the church in my experience, has a duty to go out and, like, actively help their communities constantly. And I, unfortunately, um, feel like my church has lacked in that. And um, I think I'm sure other people can relate to that as well. And it's just, um, you know, it's really, when you are so, like, self-centered and Mm -hmm. focused on, only your relationship with God and which I mean it's super important yeah to like but like on your relationship or your church or and like your family and and your friends who you see every day but you don't ever leave that bubble and see everybody as yeah 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 a child of God you know yeah yeah that that reminds me of one of the things that I'm actually more proud of in being a Catholic which is that there's there are several different um, Catholic service orders that mm-hmm. are specifically organized to help to provide various public services. Like the, I'm specifically thinking of the of the Vincentians, which are a Catholic order um, based on the works of Saint Vincent de Paul. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the times, they help out with, uh, I believe. They do a lot of help with food kitchens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, food inequality and stuff and taking yeah. care of people who are unable to get meals otherwise. Um, also thinking of the Jesuits who mm-hmm. do a to do a lot, I believe, for education over the years. But I think they also have more of the more of the social advocacy, social justice bent, um, which I also appreciate a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And... There's, there's just, there are so many, um, there are so many various, like, Catholic religious orders whose priorities are in, you know, helping the, uh, in, in helping the poor, the sick, the lonely. And it kind of sucks that's not, you know, the, that it wasn't prevalent enough within the Catholic Church that specific orders had to be formed to fill these needs that were not being filled by the Church at large. Mm-hmm. But I'm very grateful for the fact that they exist and for the work that they do. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And it also should be noted that uh, that Vincentians and Jesuits are also usually more so on the socially liberal side. Right. <laughs> more morally and socially liberal. Mm-hmm. Although I would like to give a shout out to... Um, to a priest that I had uh, when I was in college. He ran the Catholic Youth Center that I went to. And he is just, he is great. His name is Father Tom. Mm-hmm. And he is, he looks like the Keebler Grandpa Elf. <laughs> but he's also been a priest for, gosh, it must have been, it, it must be like 40 years, maybe coming up on like 50 years at this point. Wow. Um, but 
he's been a priest long enough that uh, he, <laughs> at one point, he was arrested for uh, protesting the Vietnam War. He may have been arrested more than once for uh-huh. protesting the Vietnam War, and you know he was all he's always been very dedicated to equality of people and also social issues like mm-hmm. there i hate to bring up mission trips we should do an episode of mission trips at some point oh, yeah that's it that's um maybe we could do that over the summer yeah um but uh but i went on th- three mission trips when i was in college all led by him and my freshman year we went on one to austin texas and while we were there we were there a lot of the times mission trips end up being more kind of volunteerism is the word for it. Right. When typically white people go to a go to a country that usually international, obviously, since I use the term country. But when when young people go to an international uh, place of need and they help out there and they do volunteering, but then they also get to, you know, we get to go climb the volcano. We get to go shop in the street market. Right. Um, but when we were in Austin, the priority was, no, we are here to help in our own country, not our state, but in our own country, people who were in need. And while we were there, we did help with, we were, I think we did like weeding around a nursing home mm-hmm. and we did some like yard work for them. And then we helped out in a soup kitchen a couple of days, helping out with meal prep and organizing and cooking and stuff. And also, you know, serving and talking with the people, with the guests who were coming to the soup kitchen. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it ex- <laughs> um, helping of the less fortunate does exist in the Catholic Church. It is not nearly as prevalent as it should be. And I'm hoping that that changes in the future. I think a lot of things are going to start shifting in the coming years. Um, let's, I, let's really hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I am not entirely sure how to um, segue, but I just am. It's okay. So we just are. <laughs> you know what I realized when I was editing the episode that we had with Terry? What? Um, the the word is S-E-G-U-E. It's just seg. It's not Segway. Segway is the company. Oh. Seg- Segway is Paul Blart Mall Cop. Seg is the, seg is the verb. Interesting. Yeah, so we're going to seg into something else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just had, um, there's only, I only have two, but there are hundreds of them because it is literally the core message of the Bible. Yeah, Um, but I have a couple. Especially um, the New Testament. (laughs) Yes, I have a couple um, Bible verses um, that talk about um, like oppression and what exactly Christians are supposed to like care about and fight for um, Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. which I think is important to know just so like when you're having conversations with family or friends or anybody who you might be disagreeing with, like know where they're supposed to be coming from. Um, and you might be able to have a debate that is, they can be more responsive to, you know, if you, if you're educated about it. Or even Um, a conversation if you're feeling sure, if you're feeling really peaceful that day. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, so this first one, uh, this is both from the ESV translation. Uh, okay. First one is uh, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Okay. That's what? Isaiah 117. One sec. My personal reference for the Bible is usually the New King James Version, so I'm going to see if it's any different. 
uh, in the that. New King James Version. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the New King James Version of that is, learn to, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. I like the, uh, what was that rebuke? What? Rebuke the oppressor. Absolutely. Yeah. Rebuke yes. the oppressor. <laughs> yes. Do it. Rebuke them. Um, <laughs> this second one, uh, also ESV. But if anyone has the world's good... Wait, sorry. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Um, I just, it's, it is Wait, Which one was that one from? That is, oh, that's First John three seventeen through 18. Good. Get some uh, New Testament in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's, it is frustrating uh, to me. I'm sure other people have been here as well. But, like, the reason that I am as liberal and uh, radical as I am is because of the way that I was taught in church. Yeah. And so to see literally the people who taught me these values not have the same values is has is so much cognitive dissonance yeah. in my head it makes me irate yeah <laughs> which is something i should give i should not be but oh my gosh it, with um you said that was first john 318 right uh 317 through 18 317 through 18 mhm what does your version say okay but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him how does the love of god abide in him my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I, I definitely agree with you as, as, a, as a liberal Catholic <laughs> that, uh, that disparity in intent and word is also something that I grew up with. Because mm-hmm. it's It's one thing to have, you know, it's one thing to go to Sunday school and, or PSR in my case, Uh and have, you know, all of these Bible verses be quoted at you. But it's another thing entirely to go out and, you know, follow the heart of the law, not the letter of the law. Yes, exactly. Like, I feel like where the, like, dissonance started is when, you know, like, I was raised to, like, when I had a problem or something, or I was confused or whatever, like, obviously I could talk to my parents or whatever, but it was, like, also, like, consult the Bible. What does the Bible tell you to do? What are Jesus's teachings about this? Yeah. And so I did that for a very long time and continue to do Mm -hmm. that. And so I would read the Bible and it says, hey, you should love poor people and the oppressed. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. And, like, so... I got and, and then you go to church yeah. and they say, well, these people are just poor because they sinned. Yeah, or, you know, it's not even that they said that, like, in the sermon, but it's, like, how people live their lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I like yeah. I would hear, like, a relative say something about how, um, you know, like, poor people should just work harder. Or, like, we can't give out handouts to people. And it's just, like, mm-hmm. 
it's it's not it's not the content of the sermons yeah. it's how people actually live their lives yeah, yeah you yeah. know yeah yeah i have i have a couple of uh bible verses to reference as well mm-hmm. um these are also from the new international version okay this is going to be kind of a longer section um that's fine uh you have heard the law that says the punishment for an the punishment must match the injury an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth but i say do not resist an evil person if someone slaps you on the right cheek offer the other cheek also you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy but i say love your enemies pray for those who persecute you in that way you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven if you love only those who love you what reward is there for that even corrupt tax collectors do that much if you are kind only to your friends how are you different from anyone else even pagans do that but you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect and that is from the nlt translation i don't know what that stands for um matthew chapter 5 verses 38 through 39 and 43 through 48 i believe that's the new living translation okay cool um also do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Uh, same translation, Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. And also, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. So, do unto others as you would have done to you, which um, applies to everything. Hey, you want to be given basic human dignity? And rights and respect, you should give those to everyone else as well. Mm-hmm. What a concept. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, um, also something that I don't think we've addressed is um, the whole fact that Jesus himself was a property disruptor. Uh, yeah. Someone who did disrupt things. And I'm talking specifically here about um, the... Jesus, Jesus and the money lenders, yes. AKA the AKA the gospel where Jesus flips tables. Yes. <laughs> um, the longer version of that is that um, when Jesus arrived in, I believe it was in Jerusalem, he went to go pray at the synagogue, but he found out that the synagogue, uh, I believe it was maybe the external kind of the foyer area, which was more commonly used for prayer, not as solemn prayer, but still prayer. Um, was being used as an area for people to buy and sell various goods, including uh, including offerings that they could then make in the more serious prayer area of the temple, um, but also animals to be sacrificed. And this upset Jesus so much that he went and he braided himself a whip, and then he took the whip to the money lenders and the money changers and people who are selling and buying things in the house of God. Mm-hmm. And he chased them all out of the temple and flipped tables. And the only people who he did not explicitly hurt, I believe were those who were selling doves <laughs> and he just told them to get out. <laughs> so property destruction, Jesus might be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, really. It's like, it's just so blatant how the modern church wants to, like ignore thing like i one one verse that always gets me 
and is um the uh parable about the camel and the eye of the needle mm-hmm. where which is um uh it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of god is that mm-hmm. it yes yes exactly nice. right <laughs> off the dome <laughs> um and i grew up hearing that verse applied mm-hmm. to myself and my family and i think it's just crazy how it the meaning of that has changed mm-hmm. for the like the way it's taught is now it's you know don't like want money and like don't worry about making a lot of money to support your family because if you make a lot of money you might not get into heaven that's really yeah bad. it's but it, it's interesting sorry go ahead finish what you were saying sorry yeah and then but that this this verse doesn't apply to billionaires you have a bunch of money you know like mm-hmm. I, you, it's to me it, it doesn't apply like to should... jeff bezos on his throne of amazonian t- uh, lumber right yeah like i don't know how you can read that like it's insane to me that we've conditioned the church to read that verse and feel bad about themselves and not mm-hmm. see others and say oh no that's not yeah. right yeah, the, the the point of that verse is not for you to, um, the the point of the it is easier for a, it is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God is the point of it is not that you should be like resigned to having less if that makes sense. Right. the The point is that you take what you have and you share it with others. So that maybe then you are not rich, but that others are not poor. Right, exactly. Communism. <laughs> but that's so scary. Yeah, it's as as frustrating as it can be. This is something that like that's something that I'm personally working on. Like mm-hmm. I have I have a spreadsheet of you know like here are causes that I will that I'm going to be continually donating to. Right, right. Like. I have because like I definitely would not call myself rich, but like I have a full time job, mm-hmm. which which pays me um, a a more than fair wage for my industry, mm-hmm. and I and at this point I don't think I could call myself a good Christian if I wasn't trying to give money to help those oh, yeah. in need. Sure, <laughs> like if since I'm not. comfortable in also this time of pandemic. I am not 100% comfortable in going out to be at a protest with people, but I can help by donating money, which is, you know, a biblically, uh, um, a biblically praised thing to do to help others. So Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I for I forgot what I was going to say. Okay. Also, the the thing that you had said about now how the the onus is being put on you know like oh you're just not supposed to want to have a lot of money. Um, uh, also supports perhaps uh, a lessened desire for wage equality within the workers of whatever country you're in. Yeah, you know who you know who is in charge of like changing the that perception of that verse the church who had a lot of power in the government and yes (laughs) yes yes oh you see what we can do with this one here is uh make workers not want more money yeah 
And we can just steal from them, and it's and biblical. like, but also that that is very. I I hesitate to call anything like. I, I hesitate to bring like, like the devil into the podcast, but that is definitely not the work of God that was making people <laughs> in the church think yeah. that deliberately causing people to be, to have poor life conditions. That yeah. that is not the intent of Jesus. That Absolutely. is that that is not what that is not godly work. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, kind of tangentially related. Uh, another like thing I think about it all the time is I can't believe every single church isn't constantly having messages about this. Is um, the Bible teaches against uh, false prophets and warns people against people who will use. Um, the word God's of God and yeah, to for their own agendas. <laughs> yes. And which is happening every single day in our like in America's current like presidential administration it happens every single day. Oh my god, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> we do that we will be running for over an hour and a half and I will be swearing. <laughs> <laughs> we won't I won't go into it any more than that. But it's just like, the Bible literally is warning against the yeah. things that are happening in our, like, society right now. Mm-hmm. And the people in power, the oppressors, know that. And they are very expertly mm-hmm. using that to their advantage. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I... Okay, I gotta figure out how I want to phrase this. It's important to remember, like, if you are someone who is um, who is Christian identifying or someone who is being frequently confronted with people who are using um, Christian teachings and the word of the Bible and the words of Jesus to reinforce or support uh, this kind of moral inequality to break down people who are supporting... Um, protests in the civil rights movement and Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ rights, then please, 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 please remember that this is not, that is not the intent of God. That Mm -hmm. God, uh, regardless of um, how the Old Testament might see it, that God is not, God is on the side of humanity. God is not on the side of, you know, specifically the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, or or the white Catholics, right. or the white Baptists, or the white Evangelicals. God is on the side of humanity. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And the the Bible calls, like, if, if you believe in the Bible, the Bible calls on you to be passionate and care about these things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it calls on you to love your neighbor, but it's not loving to just let them continue to stew in their hatred. It's biblical to confront that uh and uh, yeah so i encourage you that if you have relatives who believe these kind of things and have been tricked and uh manipulated uh just do research on what the bible actually says and um come at them at that angle and and really try and help them as much as possible i know sometimes that just isn't possible Mm -hmm. and it's not your job to do but if you are in a position where you can try because it's yeah yeah it's good i feel like i had like one more quote that i wanted to say of jesus's 
Oh, here we go. Perfect. New King James Version, Jesus Verses About Strength and Hard Times. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Here's, here's a good one. It's not a quote from Jesus, but it is a quote from St. Paul, um, from his letter to the Hebrews. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace and boldness, with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mm-hmm. Um, Hebrews 4.16. Absolutely. Oh, and, here's, and here's a good one from um, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Mm-hmm. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, remember, if if people, especially religious people, are trying to tell you that uh, protesting and that Black Lives Matter and trans rights and LGBTQ rights are not, uh, are going against the, are going against the church, maybe you can ask them, are they going against the, are they going against Jesus's teachings or are they going against the church's teachings? Right. Mm-hmm. Because they're probably not going against Jesus's teachings and that's what we're supposed to be concerned with. Absolutely. Yeah. So remember, Jesus is on your side. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Seems like a good place to wrap it up, do you think? Yeah, that sounds good to me. And we do have uh, one interaction that we can talk about. Oh, great. Pull that up while I pull up the ending thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, kind of before we do the wrap-up, we have a quick business note to take care of, um, which is that uh, after our Joan of Arc episode, we got an email from our friend Tanner. Uh, And they say, great episode. While I'm not super familiar with Clone High, our friend Janine is. She guested on my podcast on If I Reboot You First, hashtag nonspawn, to talk about it. <laughs> and their email is um, pretty much just explaining uh, more context for uh, the Fate series that Joan of Arc appeared in. Oh, okay. Um, the concept is that uh, people are embroiled in a magical tournament and they're able to summon historical and, and legendary figures to fight by their side. Um, most of the historical figures show up as Moe anime girls, or Moe. <laughs> Is it Moe or Moe? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either. I'm going to go with Moe. Um, most of the historical figures uh, show up as Moe anime girls, including the men. Yes, King Arthur is a Moe anime girl, um, because Japan doesn't care. <laughs> and Joan of Arc also, they, also, they say that Joan of Arc also shows up in Dragalia Lost. She's called Jeanne d'Arc, and she's a dragon, but that doesn't stop her from being a Moe anime girl, too. They have included a picture. Um, her cap, her description is a merciful eternal knight about whom legends abound. She takes the form of a young maiden. She's said to appear whenever people are suffering, be it from corrupt government or, or fiend invasions and lead them to salvation. And she also has a Christmas version. (laughs) Um, uh, Jeanne d'Arc has donned a beautiful dress for dragon Yule. She acts embarrassed to wear it, but deep down enjoys doing so. Despite her new attire, she hasn't lost her high-minded spirit and watches over everyone as they enjoy the holiday. And Aww. an evil version for a boss fight. Oh, <laughs> which is which is which is Jean d'Arc in I guess sexy armor? 
I, you know, that, that She's got, sense. like, black dragon wings and a tail and stuff. Anyways, I'll slide in next time I know about a weird depiction of a saint, I guess, from Tanner. <laughs> so, so thank you, Tanner. We appreciate you, Tanner. the email. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's pretty much it. Um, before we actually do the outro, just... I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna be saying this on every podcast that I do for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, remember everyone to please, 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 please wash your hands, wear a mask if you're going to be outside. Uh, remember that despite what the government might be telling you, uh, social distancing, and yes, sometimes isolation is the key to keeping those around you safe. Monitor your own health. If you are, if you think you might be sick in any way, please go see a doctor. Talk with a physician about it. Um, remember that you can always support uh, people in protest movements and the civil rights movement through donations to various causes like the ACLU, um, but also through your local food bank and your local bail fund. And uh, please keep safe. And remember, don't take pictures of people's faces when you're at a protest. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, I think that's my soapbox done with. I will, I yield the floor to you, Emma. (laughs) Awesome. Faithful is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pippa, and any other place where you can find a podcast. Our theme music is Start of Something Beautiful, courtesy of Ketza. Uh, And we can be reached through an email at faithfulpod at gmail.com or through our Twitter at faithfulpods, plural with an S. Uh, since uh, we're a podcast, uh, we'd love it if you would share this episode or another episode that you think um, somebody would enjoy uh, with friends uh, and spread the word uh, and let us know if you do so we can thank you. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, and uh, write us an email and stuff. We love you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, we love yes. you. Yeah, we love you. For real. And genuinely. We love you, and Jesus loves you, and Jesus supports protests. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Protest uh, with love. Uh, and to wrap it up, just one more reminder uh, the thing we always tell you at the end keep the faith! from the Old Testament. I need New Testament. Chronicles, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Isaiah, Psalms, Joshua. Gosh dang it, why do you need this?